0: Glad you're here. Yeah, a good day. Had a great week. I don't know about you, but I have. Uh, A lot of sickness, though, in the church. And uh, Matt was just telling me about a friend of his, a very, very serious illness. uh, my mom just got home from the hospital yesterday. My brother 's got the flu, and he, I think he got it from his wife margie who 's back here but she 's had it and now Kristen, I think maybe she might be getting it as well and she 's here we' trying to send her home and get her out of the out of the church and away from the kids because we 're afraid she might have it so i mean it 's just uh, kind of one of those times isn 't it and so a lot of stuff going on and uh, I want to get the into the message if we can in just a moment, uh, but but I want to have a word of prayer and b- before we get into the word and and uh, challenge ourselves. Last week we finished up uh, the Once Upon a Time series. Uh, today's kind of a standalone one time. Uh, one, one sermon standing all by itself. Got a new series going to start in a couple of weeks uh, with you. But I also wanted to mention, if you hadn't seen this yet, small groups launched today. And that doesn't mean that small groups meet today. It means that small groups are launching. It just, uh, you can find out about small groups. There are not any tables anywhere in the building that have any place that you got to sign in blood to just go ask, what is your small group, okay? But just go check one out and find out. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about small groups in this, uh, this sermon. This sermon's not about small groups, but uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit something about that in the sermon as well. So, so look, go ahead and make up your mind. It, it, listen, if for no other reason, okay, if you didn't get me a birthday present last year, okay, and you, so you owe me. Give it to me today. Go to a small group table or two or three or four or five. Do it to humor the pastor and ask them and find out about it, okay? Let's, let's do something right here since Matt's told me about that. We've got several, uh, several others that are sick as well in the, fa- in the church family. And can I just ask you, how many of you have uh, a need in your life, something you need God to do? Just slip up your hand. Just go ahead. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Look around. Hold it up. Hold it up. You want other people to pray for you this week? You want somebody else to pray for you? Hold it up. Let somebody see that hand. Look around. Look around. Holy Spirit, remind me of these this week. Let's pray. Father, I love you and thank you, God. For the privilege you invited us, God, to before your throne—a throne that is a throne of grace. It's not a—it's not a throne of works that that I can that I can attain to, and I can do enough to to deserve or merit any good thing from you. But God is a throne of grace that I can come and ask you for every one of my needs, God. We've already prayed, Well, We've already mentioned these, but God, we're coming again and ask you, God, for for these serious needs and God for these other needs. And I pray your Holy Spirit guide us this week and just quicken us at the right moment, speak something into our hearts to to remind us of that person that we saw their hand raised just a few moments ago, and God remind us that just pray for them and lift them up, believe in you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Glad that you're here. How many glad you're here? Say amen. amen. Okay, good. Let's have a good time today in the service, okay? Uh, yeah, I might step on your toes a little bit, but let's have a good time anyway, all right? All right, uh, so here's what we're going and, and listen, uh, you know, we posted this uh, on Facebook this week, and I had, had uh, you know, had a few comments, you know, oh no, algebra, I hope nobody stayed home this morning because they thought we were going to have to do algebra or math or anything. Listen, I never, I, I don't know about y'all, but I never had any algebra that was that simple, uh, adding a couple of things together and coming up with another. Well, I want to tell you what these are about, and a little, little bit of, of sharing with you, and this is kind of a, this is kind of a refocus for us. Because a lot of times we get, we get so involved in doing things, a lot of times we have to have a time of refocus. That's really what this message was. God spoke this to me several weeks ago and uh, said so this was the week. Refocus. We're going to look at some things. We're going to remind ourselves who we are, why we are. And uh, if you're a newcomer, you haven't been here very long, or today's your first service, you're going to hear some things. And, and find. So we're glad that you're here. But that V, and uh, had had somebody trying to guess uh the other day, and they, you know, they, got, they got the V right, but that's all they got right, I think. but the V stands for our vision. Our vision, our vision statement, it, it's a long one, but that, that's the biggest part of it right there, is to engage our communities with the love of Jesus Christ with a special emphasis toward those who are unchurched and those who have been de-churched. You know y'all know what de-churched is, right? I mean, we've all got friends who have been de-churched. And I, I don't mean they got kicked out of the church, but they, they got hurt. somebody mishandled them, you know. like Often, you know, I've used, I've used the illustration of fumbling somebody, you know, they, they kind of mishandled, uh-oh, and lost, lost them because they weren't handled, handled in the right way. And they became de-churched. Maybe they got hurt. And so that's, that's one of the things that we have to understand is, is, is that a lot of people are hurting. And people that come to church say, well, I used to go so-and-so. If, if somebody tells you, I used to go so-and-so, or i hadn't been in church in a long time you know that that should be you know that should kind of send little sirens going off in your head to make you understand some of those that got hurt for some reason and, and 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 you know they've got walls that that you and I don't have you know because you know maybe we got maybe we got hurt but we stayed in church, but if they got hurt and they got out of church, they probably put up walls and they 've got a wall between you, so sometimes you know, you've got to be careful you don't you don't just run through that wall, break that wall down, but you've got to help them through that so we have to be Super sensitive to the unchurch, to the d-church, because that's, that's who we're all about. One of our goals at 2911 is to eventually be 50%, that 50% of the people are presently attending the church Ha, will have not been going to church anywhere before coming to 2911. And we are so close to that right now. We've got about 100 people that are regularly attending this church we, uh, on, a, on a given weekend and the two services we have anywhere from 200 to 225. And, and we have about 100 people who regularly attend this church that were not going to church anywhere before coming to 2911. Somebody say praise God for that. Amen? Amen. Yeah, that's some of the vision that's being fulfilled. But we chose this word engage for a purpose. You know, there's a whole lot of things we need to do to the community, right? We, we need, and, not, and when I say like community, remember we also use this, we, we say communities because we've all got at least three communities. The places we live, the places we work, the place we go to school, the, the, you know, the, the social things that we do. If your kids play ball, you know, that's another community that you have. We've got plenty of communities. And we, we, we've got, you know, we want to lead them to know Jesus Christ. We want to influence them. We want to impact them. There's so many things we want to accomplish. But you can't do any of that until first... You engage them, you have to engage them and something has happened during my lifetime. I watched this happen uh, during even during the last uh, two and a half decades of, uh, of uh, ministry that i 've been licensed in ministry i 've se- seen this happen it, it, is that i 've seen the church get so good at doing church that we 've forgotten how to be the church. It's not just, you know, I think at first when we, we, we just put so much more, so much more, and so much more into doing church that we stopped, we stopped being the church. And, and it's just like we forgot we started losing our focus. And that's one of the reasons that we're back here today is talking about focus. Is we started losing the focus of of being the church. And then after a while when we weren't the church for a week or we weren't really being the church for a month, And then we weren't being the church for six months, and we hadn't been the church really. I mean, we've been doing church, but we hadn't been the church for a year. And then a decade has arisen, and so now for decades, you know, we've been doing church. I mean, because, man, we came through a great time as a church. I mean, people were, you know, people were flooding into the church in the past several decades. People were just running to church, you know, but we got to a place that we got so busy doing the church that once we got to the place of it had been decades now since we'd really been the church, that we've forgotten how to be the church. That now that even if I tell you, hey, let's go be the church, everybody says, oh, that sounds great, Pastor. What does that mean? That we don't even know what that means anymore. People that are raised in the church, they don't even know what it means to be the church. Being the church is not sitting here. Being the church is not lifting God up in praise. Being a Christian is lifting God up in praise. Paying your tithes. Is lifting God up, but but being the church, being the body of Christ is all about that one word right there. Engage. You remember when Jesus said this? He told the disciples because they began they began marveling. They were asking questions. You know, he's getting kind of late in his ministry and late in his life. And they had seen him do all kinds of things. They had seen him raise people from the dead. They'd seen him heal blinded eyes. They had seen him, you know, people that had never heard whatever in their life. He had healed their deaf ears. People that were demon possessed. He, he had uh, he had delivered them from the demons. And and the disciples, now they were with him, and he was teaching them kind of a one-on-one thing, just him. And and the disciples, they were asking questions, and they were amazed. And he said, why are you amazed at all these things? Let me tell you something. He said, greater works than all of these that you've seen, people are going to do if they believe in me and they believe in the Father. Because I'm about to go back to the Father, and I'm going to pray to him, and I'm going to send a a greater power and greater things. And here's here's the question. Put all this in context as as I tried to there for you. It's because what it, it appears that a lot of churches think, and, and a lot of churches that I grew up in or, or churches that I've pastored, a lot of times what it seems like we think is when Jesus said, greater things than all of this you're going to do, we thought he meant build bigger buildings or have greater worship or, 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 or stand and pray longer. But he said greater things than this. Now tell me what is greater than raising somebody back from the dead? I mean, tell me what is greater than, than, than finding, finding a, a lady walking down, uh, walking down the street of Nain and her, and her only son is, is laid there in the casket. They're on their way to the cemetery. And Jesus stops and he raises that little boy back to life and he gives him back to his mother. Tell me what is greater than that. Tell me what is greater than, than, a, than a woman who has had an illness for so many years that she spent every single dime she had going to every doctor in town, and maybe a lot of doctors outside of town, she's probably had you know every prophet that would come within a hundred miles of her house come and pray for her, and yet nothing she's done has helped. Yet as Jesus is walking down the road one day, she she comes to him and she just reaches out and just grabs a hold of his garment, and healing power comes out of him and heals this woman that has been sick. For all of these years, tell me what is greater than that, that now she's got her life back. Now she's got her healing back. She can go home and fix dinner again. She can she can take up those little grandchildren. She can play with them because she's got her health. But tell me what is greater than that. I'll tell you what, it's not what we've been doing and calling it the church. The doing of church. That's not what it, it's about engaging. What Jesus Christ was doing was engaging. He was, going across, he was going across the land. Everywhere he went, he was engaging people. And, and, and here's the thing that, that I watched the church do. Is I watched the church in, 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 I guess, a spiritual naivete believe that they were going to change the world without engaging the world. And you cannot impact someone's life that you don't engage. You can't sit in your cubicle 40 hours a week and impact the lives of everybody around you. You cannot go home to your house where there are people who, who, are, who are literally dying inside. You cannot influence them and change who they are if you're not engaging them through somehow through the power of Jesus Christ and his love. We must return to engaging. Second part is the M, and the M is our mission. And our mission is to disciple one another. And, and we, we disciple one another. And, you know, we've kind of got this a little backwards too. Maybe not backwards, we've kind of got it all mixed up, is that we think only these people disciple these people. You know, we disciple down. Man, there's discipling going up and down and around and everywhere. I learned from people all the I've got 20 years of experience in pastoral ministry. And I'm still learning. I'm learning from younger pastors. And I'm learning from you. You know, because one of the things I was telling a pastor this, this past week that I had lunch with, I said, you know, one of the things that I've learned so much is, uh, so much more is about when God really does his work through me, it, it seems like so many, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not what I heard some other pastor tell me work worked at his church. It's not what I hear, but it's when I just stop and say, okay, and I look around and say, okay, what needs to be done? And then God began just pouring and just working through your heart and spirit. Say, here's what needs to be done. Now get up, get a plan and go do it. And just go do it. And, and, and you know what? So, so when you tell me, when you tell me where you're struggling, when I hear 10 families in our church are, are struggling with finances, or when we've got, we've got six new couples come into our church that their marriages are falling apart, guess what? You're discipling me. You're telling me what we're not doing right and what we need to change and how we need to be better in this what we need to be teaching more, what we need to be preaching more, how we need to be praying, how we need to be challenging you, what what needs to be pulled together, separated and stirred up and fixed. You're discipling me every time you tell me something because, because, you know, hey, I've been in this a long time. It's really easy for me to lose focus too. And it's easy for me to, to, to forget to be the church because I'm so busy doing church. It's easy for the pastor too. So you, you disciple me. The past couple of Wednesday nights, I've been filling in for Cliff in his, uh, in his uh, small group. We have one small group, adult, that meets here on Wednesday nights. And I've been filling in for that one. I've been in there a lot of Wednesday nights, but I filled in the past couple of weeks as far as leading the group. And it's a discussion group. And man... The people in there, they, they are discipling me. They're reminding me of things. There's some stuff that I, I almost wish they hadn't said it in the class because there was some stuff good enough to preach on Sunday morning that if they hadn't said it to everybody else, I could have used it, you know, a couple of times. We should have just told me that later somewhere, you know, where I could use it and tell it to you. But it was theirs, and it was discipling me. It is, it's awesome how we disciple one another. And so you take your vision, and you take your mission, and you put them together. And this is a, this is a, a, a really difficult equation to figure out, but that's how you get your purpose. And our purpose at 2911 is to engage in disciple. You know, if somebody wants to ask you the vision or the purpose of the church, you know, why are you here telling us? We're, we're here to engage and disciple. We're not here to sit around in our church and just say, hey, this is awesome, this is wonderful, this is good today. No, we're here to engage and then disciple. And we disciple people. If we find them as an unchurched person, we want to disciple them. If we find them as a de person, we want to disciple them. If we find them as somebody who has been a Christian for 20 years, 40 years, we still need to disciple them. Because you know what? I've made the decision. I don't know if you have. I've made the decision. I purpose within myself to grow, to get deeper, to understand more, to seek more of his anointing, Every moment of my life until the very last moment, the very last breath that I have, I want to be a disciple of Christ. And so now, no matter, you know, if, you, if you're just coming to God for the first time, we want to help disciple you. If, you if, if you've been here for 40 years, you've been a Christian for 40 years, we want to help disciple you. That, that's, that's, that's our purpose is to engage and disciple. And they go hand in hand. But the first thing, the first thing is to engage. You, you cannot disciple people you don't engage. And so we've got to engage them. And so I want, to tell you, I want to tell you how we do it here around 29 twenty nine eleven. And, and, you know, here's the thing. And, you know, my wife gets on me, but she had to go to the hospital uh, just a few months ago. She's fine, but our, uh, uh, I shouldn't have said that because now I've got to explain all this, don't I? Uh, Our daughter-in-law's water broke last night. She's about four weeks out from her due date. So my, my wife's on the way. So she, so anyway, she's not here this morning, so I can go ahead and say this, and she won't know it to get on to me this afternoon. You know, so... But she says "All the, she says. a lot of times it sounds like I'm trying to run people off from the church. <laughs> and the reason is because I want you to understand this. Is if you don't belong here, go find the place you belong. And so listen, I'm, I'm about to tell you how we do it at 2911. And, and I want to tell you this so strongly that I want you to get how we do it here. Because here's what I want you to do. I want you to decide. You need to decide. Because you need to be growing. You need to be dis- being discipled. You need to be getting closer to God every single day of your life. And if you don't like the way we do it here, then go find a church that does it a way that you can fit into because you need to be growing. Because the worst thing you could do is sit here and say, well, I just don't agree with this, 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 and this. Then why sit here? This doesn't fit me. Then why sit here? You More than we need you at 2911, you need to be growing in who you are in Jesus Christ. And so if this doesn't fit you, go find the place that fits you. You know, a lot of pastors, they think they're the only church in town. Now, that, here's the biggest problem with us. If we think we're the only church in town that can do anything, we know that, you know, I've, I've given you the survey of stats. There are over 20,000 people in North Jefferson County alone that are not affiliated with any Christian church. We handle about 100 to 130 people. We had 150 about uh, two or three weeks ago in, in one service. And i tell you, we were busting out the seams in a whole lot of ways, you know, I and mean, we really handle maybe about 125 people. You know, so you know how many services we'd have to have on a weekend to, to minister to all 20,000 people in the North Jefferson County that aren't affiliated with any Christian church? You know, how many? You know, Jamie, Jamie's passing out over here, counting them up, thinking about how many songs she's going to have to sing all week. We can only handle 125. Guess what that means? That means we're not in competition with anybody. As we understand, everybody can't fit in this building, and you need to find, and I'm not just talking about this building as far as 125 and 20,000. I'm talking about the fit of who we are and who you are, and if you don't fit here, then go find that place. Now, saying that, I'm not running you off. Saying that, here's what I'm challenging you. is if you believe in this, then take it, believe it, live it, do it, get involved. Quit standing and saying, I believe in that, Pastor, and I might get around to it one day. Uh Uh-uh. If you believe in this, do it. You need to be. If you're 29, 11 people, you need to be growing this week. You need, to get, you need to make a decision this month. You need to make a decision right now. This is who I am. This is what God has called me to do. And this is the way my church does it that God called me to be a part of. And I'm going to get involved because I need to be growing. I need to be deeper today than I was yesterday. I need to be more of who he called me to be. I need to be fulfilling this big, beautiful, awesome dream. That God dreamed of me when He was forming me in my mother's womb. I don't. I'm not challenging to get out of here. I'm challenging you to get in with both feet, everything you've got and everything you are. Here's how we do it: it's our dream scriptures. The first one is 1 Chronicles chapter twenty-nine, verse eleven. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. Somebody said greatness. His is the greatness. Now, I don't have time, but I'd love to preach this, this, this verse to you right here. All the greatness belongs to him. There is nobody. I said I don't have time to do this, didn't I? There is no great outside of God. Yours is the greatness. Yours is the power. You, you think you're powerful. Do you, are you, when I say powerful, you think of somebody in this world, don't you? No. Uh-uh. He is power. Every power in this world comes from him. Even, you say, I don't know, that looks like a very ungodly power. Even the ungodly power that is in this world still emanates from him. It might have been stolen from him or usurped from him, but it is still under him. God is power. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Glory, my goodness, his glory. All, All the glory and the beauty of this world and everything that there is, is his Yours is the glory and the victory. You want, you want to win a victory? You're not going to win it with any other team except God. God's got all the victories. He's already got them sewed up. I, know, I mean, you know, yeah, some people might think he cheated because he stacked the deck. Well, yeah, he stacked the deck. When Jesus Christ shed his blood on Calvary and got up on the third day, the deck has been stacked for eternity now. He has every victory already won. Amen? Amen. Go ahead. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Yours is the victory, and yours is the majesty. You think of majesty, you think of kings, and you think of the wonders and all the things that make you, make you want to just stop and your mouth drop open. Every single bit of majesty is his. Everything in the heavens. Everything on the earth is yours, O oh Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. The first thing we do at 29, there's four things we do. And the first one is we worship. A sovereign God. A sovereign God who, who is over it all and, and owns it all. And every bit about it, everything about him, everything about everything that is good in this world, everything that's powerful, and everything that is amazing. It is Him. And so when we come together, we understand that, and it just makes us I, I, I gotta say something good to him. I mean, you ever you ever been very grateful to somebody? And then you run into them, you know, at Walmart or somewhere. And you just think, you know, they were so kind to me. i got to say something. That's the way we feel when we come together is we worship this sovereign God because of who he is and what he's done. Like Isaiah chapter 6. You remember this story? I I don't know if you ever get here. Man, I get here all the time. we got a song that we sing around here that that comes a lot from these few verses. Man, I get here all the time. When I understand who I am and yet, as we were singing just a few moments ago, what an awesome thing. To be invited into his presence. Here's what Isaiah said. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And I saw when I see the Lord, what do you see? He is high and exalted. He's not in this stuff that you and I are dealing with. He's not in this pain and this suffering. He's not in this dirt of this world and the grime and the and the crime and the sin. He's not in this. He's high. He is exalted, and he is seated on the throne, and, and the train of his robe fills the temple. Go, go ahead, I, uh, my Chase, because I, I I just got to get through this. Uh, above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two. Are you picturing this? I'm a very visual person. Okay. I'm I'm drawing a picture in my mind again, all over again. Okay, are you picturing this? It said there are two seraphim, like angels, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory." And, uh, did you get that? They were calling to one another. One was yelling out, "Holy, holy, holy!" And the uh, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they other, holy, holy. And, uh, the earth is full of his glory. And they're just going back and forth and back and forth. I mean, just constant, spontaneous praise and worship and glory to him. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, Isaiah says. Here's where I get to then. Woe is me, for I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, Then one of the seraphim, one of the angels flew to me and he had a live coal, a burning coal. You know, you think about those coals that you're going to use to grill out, you know, later this week or something. A live one, a hot, red hot one. He had it in his hand and he had taken it with tongs away from the altar. And he brought it to me, and he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I stand here, and understand, you know, I've got all this, you know, and, and my enemy, the devil, wants to remind me about how I am unworthy to stand in his presence and lift up holy hands and, and say, Oh, God, you're holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is full of your glory. And, and and the guilt that has been inside of me wants to tell me how I'm not I'm not worthy of that. But then I remember that just... Like he did with Isaiah. He sent, he sent something of his blood, or something of his anointing, or something, and he purged all of my sin and he wiped them away. And just as he said, see, your, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Therefore, when I stand, I can raise up holy hands without fear, without wrath, and without doubting. And I can glorify him because, amen. Oh, and it's an awesome thing to worship a sovereign God. I don't worship a half a God. I don't worship a partial deity. I worship the sovereign God. And I know if you're of another faith today, you might say, well, that's kind of arrogant, isn't it? Well, that's who we believe he is. And if you don't believe that your God is the sovereign God, I challenge you to go find one that is. I mean, we worship. We worship the God that we know is sovereign over all this earth and has created everything that there is. The second thing we do around here, and you're familiar with the first thing we do, and I probably shouldn't have spent so much time there, but that was just so good. Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. Here's the second thing we do. My sons, do not now be negligent. Don't neglect, for the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him, and to be his ministers and make offerings to him. God has chosen us. And we discover the place of our choosing. We discover how God has chosen us. Around here, how we do it is through the growth track. That's how we discover. We have, our, we have our growth track that we go through to, uh, to determine you know, how we fit in the kingdom of God. But look, at, look at what he's chosen us to do. To stand in his presence. You know, when I stand there and I worship him and I start feeling like I'm unworthy, and then he reminds me, wait, I've already forgiven you of all of your sin, He didn't just stop there, but he says, I have chosen you to stand here in the middle of my presence and give me glory. I've chosen you, but I've also chosen you to minister to me, to serve me. Somebody said this past, uh, I think it was this past Wednesday night in that small group that I, uh, I was leading for Cliff, is, you know, worship is the only thing we can really give God that he doesn't already have. You know, that's the only thing I give him. From that point on, the only thing I can do for God is serve others. That's how I serve him. I can't serve God. I can't give God anything. I can't bless him in any way. But when I bless his children, and even his lost children, the unchurched or the de-churched, when I bless them, I'm serving. That's what he says, I'm called you to minister to me and, and to make offerings to me. He has chosen us. And he begins this first by saying, do not neglect this thought. I've mean, I got to tell you something about growth track today. Uh, we're not having growth track for June. I've had some things stirring in my spirit the past couple of, past couple of days. And I've got a staff meeting this week. We're going we're gonna, we're gonna to retool some things about growth track. I want, to make, I want to make it even greater. It has been awesome since last October. But So here's what I want to do. And I, and I, was, I began thinking about this. I was, I was arguing. I don't know if I was arguing with myself or arguing with God. Have you ever been in one of those? You weren't sure? I was arguing on my way home uh, yesterday. I, w- I was arguing, and, and I don't know if it's with myself or with God. I thought, you know, well, why do I do it today? Why am I saying this day I'm canceling? Because man, I, I've got a sermon right here that I, I'm going to talk about the growth track in the middle of the sermon. Then why would I cancel it today? Today is the day I need to be pushing and driving. Okay, well, here's the thing that I thought of immediately then is this isn't a commercial, okay. This isn't a commercial. What what I'm saying right now about the growth track being the way that we have chosen to, to, to figure out how God chooses us, this is what God has led us to at 29. This is not a commercial for you that you need to get in the growth track. No, this is a challenge to you that you need to be praying about it. And you got a month to pray. Because next, the, the next growth track will start on the, uh, the first Sunday of July. you got a month to pray and decide, yeah, this is tw- 2911. This is my home. This is my church. This is where I fit. This is where God. And i got to get involved in every single thing because these are the ways that I grow. These are the ways that God is going to develop me and use me so that I can, I can engage my communities and we can all be discipled and disciple one another. you got a month to do that because we're not going to have growth tracks. Everybody get that? We're not going to have growth tracks this afternoon, 101. We're going to retool it. But here's what is important. I I, I told you this thing was last week in in the message last week. This is one of the most awesome things you will ever realize. Uh, Because I can tell you because young ministers that get called into ministry. You know, we talk about the ministry. Everybody's the people that stand up here. But every one of you are called to ministry. And when these young ministers receive this call into ministry, it is one of the most amazing things. It is like, I can't believe this, Pastor. And you know what happens to you too when you get this? Is that you are deeply passionate about something that God needs done. There's something inside of you that you are so passionate about. And the reason is because God needs it done. And he made you super passionate about it. I've heard some people just the past few weeks just talking about some things. Man, I've been wanting to do this for years. Somebody's telling me this just, just right before service. been wanting to do something for years. You know, and we think, we think, well, well, I've been working on this, and I've just been waiting on, maybe sometimes we think, I've been waiting on God to tell me he wants me to do this. No, the telling was that you've been working on this for years is that you're deeply passionate about it. Because the God who needs this done, it was the God who created you and put that deep passion in you for you to do this thing. And every one of us has something awesome that we need to be doing for God. And there's nothing, there, there is no greater church member in the whole world than one who is doing exactly what God called them to do. You want to know, I can tell you who they are. You can spot them too. Go find the people that are happy serving God. They're doing what God has called them to do. One of the things, we don't want anybody doing what they, they aren't called to do. We don't want anybody doing stuff that you know God's not going to call you to do the things you don't like to do. He's going to call you what he's gifted and and impassioned you to do. And so we just want people if you want to find the people that are serving God, truly serving God, go look for somebody with a smile on their face. Go look for somebody who who looks like they have enjoyed being at church today. And you know what you're know what you going to find? If you look around for the people that look miserable after church is over, I can tell you pretty much most of them are that way because they're not doing what God has impassioned them to do. And their passion has no outlet. And, the, and they begin to get discouraged inside of them. And the stuff that God has given inside, of, it begins to sour and grow and, and become an ugly thing inside of them. And it grows. You think about it in your, in your personal life. When you have no goals, when you have no direction, when you have no reason to get up in the morning, that's when people start contemplating suicide. Spiritually, it's the same thing. When you have no drive and you don't know where you're supposed to be going, you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, you start contemplating spiritual suicide. The third thing we do is in Psalm 29, 11. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Around here, we we say it, that the Lord gives us blessings of peace and strength. We throw that verse together that way. And here's, here's really kind of how we do it is we understand that God blesses us through small groups. And today is small group launch. Don't see this as a commercial. See this as a challenge. My time is really kind of up here. And I got one more after this. I got to say this as quick as I can. So, so don't, don't, don't get upset with me for not dancing around. Let me be, be blunt right here, okay? Let me get to the point in a hurry and be blunt. Is this. Is it, 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 is, it is discouraging to, to your pastor to have people show up, in the, show up at his house or call on the phone and say, Pastor, i got this problem, this problem, this problem, whatever. Pastor, I'm struggling with this, struggling with that. And I'm thinking, why aren't you part of that small group that says they are addressing that? Three weeks ago, it was launched. Three weeks ago, you knew you had this problem three weeks ago. You didn't get this problem today. Why are you not a problem? You know what? Sometimes God doesn't. I, w- I wish he'd give me the liberty all the time to say that. He don't give me the liberty to say that all the time. I wish I could say, why are you not in the small group that is addressing the issue? People, guess who's going to be there? Not people who want. Hey, there's some, ooh, there's some people struggling with this problem in, in their marriage. Let's, let's go over there and we make fun of them. That's not who's showing up the small group. It's other people who are struggling with that same issue in their marriage or people who are struggling with their finances. You say, well, we, don't, we don't like to tell people what, what our problems are. We don't like, well, well, get over it. I mean, if you want somebody to pray with you, you want somebody to encourage you. You know, if you've got financial problems, that doesn't mean that you're a, a, a bad handler of finances all the time. Sometimes life happens. Somebody say amen. Sometimes the economy happens. Somebody say Amen. I mean, you know, so why in the world? And so people say, well, I, you know, I'm struggling with kids. You got teenagers? I don't I don't know a parent that has ever lived on the face of this earth that hasn't struggled raising teenagers. Somebody say amen. Then why in the world will we not jump in the middle of a small group that is full of people that says, hey, I'm struggling too. Let's pray and believe together and encourage one another because that's what happens in small groups. You get encouragement. You get challenged. Because, you know, we can't do this right here. I don't have time to stop. Okay, anybody got any questions? Don't have time for that. You got time for that in a small group. You need to be in a a small... I'm going to read the scripture. I know my time is way back. I got to read the scripture. Let me show you. It's it's all the way back to the book of Acts. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, (laughs) praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why? Because they were having church? No, because they were being the church. Because they weren't just joining together in worship one time a week, but they were going to each other's homes. They were enjoying fellowship. They were breaking bread together. They were sharing. They were praying. They were challenging one another. And because of that, God added to the church daily. This is God's plan. This isn't 29-11's plan. This is God's plan. And so I, I just, I encourage, remember you're going to give me my birthday present today, right? I encourage you, please, go visit. fourth thing we do. This wraps up pretty quick. This, one's a, this one is a short one. And it's in the book of Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that God had to throw that in there? My plans aren't for disaster. Because some of us believe that God wants us, I mean, he wants to just mess our lives up. You know, he's given us this passion to do this, and God wants to break it and put us over here. No, he's not going to do that. I know the plans I've got for you. They're plans for good, not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. And the, what, we, what we've been called to do is engage in disciple. And the way we do that to the ultimate, the nth degree, the finality, is through our dream teams. And our, 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 actually all of our teams, which is our dream team of volunteers, and we help bring the dream that God has to life for every person through the dream team. You see, and this happens in two different ways. You See, when you, when you serve somebody, you are bringing part of the dream to their life. You know, and here's part of what you're saying when you say, I don't have time to serve in any ministry capacity in the church. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying go get your license. I'm not saying teach. I'm not saying I'm talking about doing what you've already seen people do here. Somebody shake your hand this morning? Somebody greet you in a parking lot? Somebody offer you a visitor card? Somebody ask you how you were doing. Somebody walk by and receive the offering from you. Somebody's going to be back at a table in just a few moments somebody's going to be standing here in just a few moments ready to pray for you and whatever your needs are they don't care and they'll stay here until you're done praying I said but I don't have time for that you see we're looking at it as serving ministry but what we're doing is we're serving God by serving others and when I say I don't have time for that I'm saying I don't have time for your problems Britton. I don't have time to make you happy by smiling at you when you walk in there I ain't got time to make somebody happy Yo, come on, grow up. You're adults, get over it. That's what we're saying. We're saying, I don't have time to make somebody happy. I don't have time to shake somebody's hand. I don't have time to encourage someone. I don't have time to lift somebody up. That's what we're saying when we say, I do not have time. When we serve in ministry, when we serve on one of the teams, what we're doing is we're helping the dream come to pass in somebody's life. Whether you're out in the parking lot and you're the very first person that they meet, you got that smile on, you know, and they're thinking, man, this guy's crazy. He's out here in the parking lot. Yeah, you're crazy because you're crazy in love with Jesus and you're just doing the thing God has called you to do. Be out there in the parking lot, not parking cars. Be out there in the parking lot and say, hey, everything's going good this week, right? Oh, yeah, we're going to have great service. And you're getting people ready to come into this place and start worshiping God and start experiencing him again and start saying, wait a minute, something good is going to happen. Every single one of our teams is about engaging in discipling. And when you, if you say, I believe in 2011, but I can't serve on the TV, you say, I, I don't have time for that. You're saying, you don't have time to help people realize the dream in their life. But this happens two different ways. You see, because, because all these people that are serving, they're helping the dream happen in your life. But there's another way that the dream happens in your life through serving. is because when you begin serving others, then God begins pouring into you what you need. Brent was talking about that overflow. Some of the reasons... Some of you aren't getting what you need from God is you're too full. You got all you need. What you need to do is you need to start emptying some of that. Let me take some of this and let me put it on Britain today. Let me take some of this put it on Job today. Let me take some of this put it on Jeffrey today. Now God, I, I got some room for something else and now God's able to do. That's what he meant when he said, the, if, you're lay, if, you're, if you're worn out and you're tired and you're weary, come to me and I'll give you rest the way I'm going to do it. Is I'm going to tell you what you can do for me. And while you're doing stuff for me, that's when I'm going to give you the rest. That's when I'm going to give you your blessing. That's when I'm going to give to you. That's when I'm going to do it. And so the two ways that God makes the dream happen in your life through serving is because others are serving you. But also while you're serving them, God is serving you. So those are the four ways we make the whole thing happen as we engage in discipleship. i got one last thing to share with you. Would you stand and come to the front? Let's close like we normally do in the front. Come on. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. I have a final prayer. Let me share this one last thing with you. <laughs> I appreciate you at 9:30, people. You get to be the guinea pigs for me to figure out how long it's going to take me to preach the message. So at 11 o'clock, you know, I got a little better idea. I appreciate you staying with me. Here's the last thing. I want you to hear this. Everybody, pretty much everybody, loves worship at 2911. Now, if they, if they didn't, they didn't stay long. They're gone already, okay? You know, man, they came in and said, ah, that ain't for me, and they're gone. Most people hang around because they like the worship. But if all you do is the worship, the Sunday morning service, if that's all you do, or even, or even the Wednesday night youth service, as far students, if that's, all, if that's all you do, you are a very imbal- imbalanced person. You're not covering everything. Remember the sermon a few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago now, about the spiritual house? you got to live in every room in the house to be balanced. What would your life be like if you only lived in one room of the house? Spiritually speaking, what's your life like when you only live in one room? You need every single bit of this. You know because if, 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 you don't, if you don't discover who you are, who, who God chose you to be, we do it through the growth track here. If you attend another church, you do it a different way there. But if you don't discover that, then you're going to have a life without purpose. That's very imbalanced. You're not going to be healthy. You're not going to be strong. You're not going to get anything accomplished. If you, if you are not part of small group, say, I do not want to connect with anybody, listen to what we're saying. I ain't got time to connect with anybody Monday through Saturday. I do my church thing on Sunday morning. I ain't got time for anybody. Listen to what we're saying. You know what happens to you? You remember the scripture that says, iron sharpens iron? What happens when you're not getting around any other iron? You're getting dull. You're getting dull in a lot of ways. You're getting ineffective. You're not going to cut anything. You're not going to get anything accomplished because there's no iron sharpening you anymore. And you've got to get involved in ministry you know here's what happens in most churches 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work and so you got 80% of the people sitting out there watching 20, watching 20 do 20 do the work and you know what they're getting miserable because they're not doing what God has called them to do that's, that's what's happening to you if you're not going to get involved that's what see, so here's is if we just do worship we're not going to get it done I want you to be perfect the perfect man woman God Intended for you to be in every single part of your life. But to do that, you've got to get purposeful about growing in every single area of your life. Here's how we do it at 2911. Boom, there it was. I invite you to get involved completely. I want you to pray with me this next month. You need to be in Growth track 101, the first Sunday of July. You need to visit a, a table right now as soon as we say the last amen. Jamie, go ahead. She's going to lead us in the final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying. Bow with me. Close your eyes.